You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode five. We're going to continue our conversation on racial relationships. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, who refuses to write in cursive. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth Muse, your host. I am so glad that you're here with us today. And I'm going to continue our conversation with my two friends, Dexter and Steve, on racial relationships. Now, if you haven't heard last the last podcast, part one, let me tell you, stop now, go back, download that one and listen to that. It's really important so you know the context where we jump in because where we left off last time was pretty chilling. And I think that when we get back into this, you're going to need to know some of that. So if you haven't heard what we talked about last time, we really didn't offer a lot of solutions. This time we're going to get to that a little bit more and resolve some of these things. We're like, where do we need to go next? Where do we think at least we need to go next? And it's a really great conversation. And I want to tell you guys, before we jump into this week's uh, second half of this, I cut the microphones off because we had to be done, but we stayed in my house recording this after we stopped recording for another two and a half hours, just talking about all kinds of different angles of this issue that's happening in America. And it was so good. It was so freeing to be able to sit and talk with people that you'd love and trust about things that you've never been able to really talk about, or you never felt like you could talk about with people who are in those camps that are part of the other, I guess, quote, other side. And you realize that you're really not on sides. You're really kind of all dealing with the similar issues and just approaching it from different angles. And so it was very, very revealing, very helpful. Um, And so I want to encourage you guys before this podcast gets started, that if you know people who are in your life in any capacity that are not, uh, that don't look like you, that might be of another race or another background, I want to encourage you to be brave and to be courageous and to jump out and start these conversations, even though You may not say all the right stuff and you may not feel very comfortable or welcome to have those. We need more people that are willing to step out and say, you know what, this is going to be, uh, I'm going to say this bad. I'm going to say things offensively and I don't know it, but here it is. Tell me how to navigate this. What is it like to be you? What is it like? I'll tell you what it's like to be me. And so I think those are the kinds of conversations that if we start to have those more on the grassroots level, I really believe that we're going to start to see some understanding and not just sympathy for uh, groups of people when bad things happen, but some empathy in that we start to understand why it hurts and why things are like they are and how we can go about changing them. So I'm going to shut up now and I want to get into this great content because there's quite a bit of it. And I hope you really do enjoy this. Please pass this around. Go to iTunes. Give us a give me a rating. Give us a, a quick review. That really helps. And if you want people to hear this content and see it, that's a quick way to do it because that lets iTunes know that, hey, there's something here that's important and it'll boost it to the top and then other people will hear it. So if you think this conversation is worth hearing right after you get done with this, you may be in the car or wherever, just make yourself a note in your head. 
go do that. And that's going to help this podcast kind of rise to the top and people will be able to hear this session. And I think that's really important. Not that nobody else is doing it, but here's another opportunity for us to get together and talk. So here is my conversation with my friend Dexter and my friend Steve. And it's just like you guys, like, and I'm, I'm hearing a lot of the same things. And what you're saying is how do you know this person is not going to shoot me or we're thinking the same things. Mm-hmm. How do we know this police officer is not going to set me up for something? How do I know it's Elton Sterling and not uh, Dexter? Right. Yeah. You, you don't. You right. go off of. You go off of that. You go off of what that person is giving you at that time, and that's the only thing we can we can we can. I'm not gonna say judge you on, but that's the only thing we can react to. Mm-hmm. Everything. Now I want to. We got to put this out there. Every single one of these people who have died have been fighting the cops. Philando Castile might be a little different. He wasn't actively in a fight, but we are taught, we have scenarios like that all the time where some guy might get a drop on you if he's got a gun. Well, I'm considering that a fight. He's resisting to what the what the police officer is saying. And my, I guess my, my initial reaction to that is, well, if that's the case, why would a black guy ever shoot a black cop? Why would he ever run or fight a black cop? And because I'm looking at it as as a black and white thing right now, right? Because I, th- I think that's that's where we're going. I mean, I I don't view it as that. I view well, it. I as think a, that's I think that's the narrative that we're presented. Yeah, that's exactly. to look at it that that's way. So the narrative here. So that's the context that we ha- kind of have to operate with until we can change that context. Yeah. And, and so I'm happy that's, to change it. That's the narrative here. But I'll be honest that um, in the black community. Typically, we we would not hold a black police officer to much higher regard. It's the system. It is the system mm-hmm. um, that we are um, upset with. It's the system that is the issue. Um, more so than just, I think, the, like you said, it's the narrative that we've been mm-hmm. given is black cop, uh, I mean, white cop versus black um Regular guy. Regular guy. Yeah. But it's more so for us, the system, um, because honestly, um, black cops uh, in general, and I think it's gotten it's gotten better. I will say that it's gotten better within the black community. But um, there is a time where black cops were seen as cops. Um, it wasn't a separation of white cop, black cop. Hispanic cop, anybody else? And they I'm, were seen as cops. I, that's that should that's the way it should be. Right. They should be viewed as cops. Um, you know, there were some there were some videos of black Black Lives Matter. I think it was New York City. I, I forget exactly when it was. It might have been about a year and a half ago. And there's a black officer who is in warrant gear, and he is surrounded. He's walk he's walking to his car. And he's surrounded by other black men, and they're calling him every name in the book. Mm-hmm. And this guy is—he sees a problem in his community, and he is standing up, and he is—he is putting his life on the line to protect his community, the same as I am, and the same as every other cop out there wearing the badge. And so. When you have that, when you have racial discourse, discord within that, where, where, where one guy who looks like me mm-hmm. is doing something 
that'll um, that is perceived to be against me, mm-hmm. then that man is railed against more so than me, and I don't understand that. I don't get that at all. Um, you know why why a black cop would be considered uh, less than? You know what I mean? Right. Is it, does that is that the case? I mean, you said a black a black cop would be considered the same as a cop. Mm-hmm. But I've even seen lately where a black cop is considered less than a cop. You mean kind of like, um, so are you trying to, just to clarify, saying that a black cop would be seen kind of as a traitor I've seen, to the yeah. black community? Is that kind of what you're saying? And, you and having, yeah, and having, and not all, I mean, I'm not, right. I'm not saying all of them, right. but. Right. Yeah, we're definitely not speaking absolutes yeah, here. So. There, there are no absolutes. Right. I don't think there are absolutes and stuff like this, but. <sighs> Yeah, where I speak to my when I speak to my black brothers, they say you know they'll go to they'll go to to family reunions and they're outcast, you know they're called Uncle Toms or they're called you know traitors or something mm-hmm. like that. And even even more so when they arrest black citizens who they have no idea who that person is, they get it more and more and more. Man, come on, man, why don't you let me go? We're in this together, you know, we're family and stuff like that. Where mm-hmm. does that come from? And how do we stop that? Okay, so... Okay. Um, that is... And, and then and then we're going to turn, and you're going to start asking me questions. <laughs> so Just as soon as we solve this you know, 100-year-old yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Right. So get you on know, that, Dexter. <laughs> yeah. We're going to come to a solution right now. Yes. Um, Not leaving this place, guys, until we have it on paper. <laughs> but again, that, that speaks to... Um, where we've seen this rhetoric and this narrative that we are against white police officers, it again speaks to we are against the system. So then when you see someone um, that is a part of your community that is supposed to understand the things that you've been through that you perceive, and I'm not saying that it's a, a correct perception, I won't say that, but you perceive them to be helping the very system um, that you feel is victimizing you, that's where that comes from. And that's something that is, and we we're talking about these things. Um, and like you said, this is a hundred plus year old problem. These are things that are ingrained. These are things that are passed down. These are um, things that have been seen um, that we're just now coming to a point of talking about. Yeah, but for years and years and years, these things have gone unchecked, untalked about. The conversations have not happened, um, and it's just been brushed under the rug. And y'all, we always hear, "Oh, he's pulling the race card," or he's um, bringing up race again. But these are real issues, and like you, like we were saying in our roundtable yesterday, these are emotions that have to be addressed acknowledged and dealt with um, because yes, you may not be perceiving something um, the complete way, but your experiences shape how you perceive any given situation um, and your emotions tied to said experience shape how you perceive any given situation. So the emotions themselves need to be dealt with. There needs to be conversation um, and there has been conversation within the black community, but I think it needs to be 
a much larger conversation now. Yeah. And, and I'll say too, that those emotions that you're talking about, I think that are, I think that we're kind of being conditioned to, to deal with each other at just that surface emotion level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this isn't, this isn't allowed. There's a lot of stuff that we, yeah that I can't say. Right. On and this I, radio. And I huh. even, and I even said yesterday at our meeting, I said, honestly, guys, as a white man, I a lot of times feel unwelcome at this conversation because if I jump in, then I'm a condescending kind of bigot type person or whatever. But if I stay back, then I just don't care. I don't feel like I can win sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I stay out of it. But you know, you that know? feeling that you have and, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to my feelings on it is the same feeling a lot of times I have um, because I have white friends because I, well, I have all friends. Um, I have a very diverse group of friends and there are times when I'm among certain friends that I don't feel that I can talk about certain things. Yeah. Um, because then I'll be said that I'm just pulling the race card. I'm just bringing up race again. I'm just playing the victim. There's all these things. And I've had these things said to me and I'm doing using air quotes by friends that have completely dismissed how I felt in the yeah. experiences that I've had. But my experiences shape how I see these things. Exactly. My experiences shape my relation to the Black Lives Matter movement. My experience shape how um, what I'm seeing in these videos and how these videos affect me. Um, those things cannot be dismissed. And I think that's a big problem um, in the whole conversation because these experiences, just like my experiences, can't be dismissed in these conversations. Right. Your experiences as a police officer on the force, your experiences can't be dismissed. And I think we're so to the point of trying to prove our prove what we're saying yeah. that we don't want to hear somebody else's experiences and we don't want to have a civil conversation. So we're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're not getting anywhere in the conversation because there are issues. There are there. I mean, there's history to back it up. There are, there's legislation, there's systematic racism but there's also issues in the black community there's issues in the white community there's issues here there's you know there's issues with police but when you start talking about oh well we can't talk about that but we can talk about this but we can't talk about that with these people then you're limiting the conversation and nothing is getting solved yeah and i I think too when you say that it's kind of like if steve as a cop if if you were to say yeah, I'm going to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, your friends? Well, I mean, how would they react to that who are on the force? Well, they just killed nine of my brothers. Yeah, I mean... Well, eight, and then one's on life support in Baton Rouge. So so it's like you, you can't really even... I mean, I feel like there's a wall there, you know, mm-hmm. for, for you to go, hey, I'm going to support Blue Lives Matter, you know, or All Lives Matter. You know, it's like... Uh, these movements that are happening, you know, you, the lines have been drawn where you're not allowed to kind of go into that camp and go, okay, what are you talking about? What are you trying to under, what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. What is this really about? Like, I don't feel there's a freedom to really cross those lines when right. we're talking, especially in, and, and, you know, on social media and places like that where you don't get facial expressions and, and tone and things. And, and so it just makes it worse. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if I wanted because because here I am with two of my best friends sitting here at the table on on two different sides of that aisle, you know, and I'm like I don't know how to feel about it because I, I want to support both those things. I'm pr- I'm probably jumping ahead here, you know? but we do have a unifying 
a, a unifying thing in our lives. Yeah, and I want to get to that. We attend the same church. Mm-hmm. We believe in the same God. We believe exactly. in the same book. Exactly. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us just can't get along. How do we change that? Um, I mean, do you, we talk about systems and, mm-hmm. and, and perceptions and all Correct. this other stuff. Uh, you know, the only system that matters is the one found in the scripture. Yeah. How do we? And, and two things on that, that I want to, I want to bring up. Um, one, I was asked this question yesterday that I, I thought this is the apologetic for race for against racism. It's that if you truly believe that book, then we all came from Adam and Eve. Oh, hundred percent. So yep. for that reason alone, we're family. Mm-hmm. And so to see each other as less than or greater than because of skin or or status or whatever, it's not scriptural. It, it, it from the very beginning, if you find yourself thinking that another race is um, below you or uh, you know less than you or somehow you're greater than they are. I mean, favoritism is forbidden by Jesus himself, but right there in Genesis 1, or mm-hmm. sorry, Genesis 4, there is you know proof that, hey, here we are as one big people, one human race. And so there's that. But then the second thing is, is that when you talk about the thing we have in common and how we go forward, I think that we have to look to the church to fuel this conversation. You know, I think there are movements out there that are that are have great intentions, however they do things or whatever. But I think the real movement that's going to honestly make a difference is when the church says we're kind of tired of being segregated every Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're kind of tired of being, you know, driving thirty minutes to go to a white church because I live in a black neighborhood, mm-hmm. or I, I drive thirty minutes to go to a black church because I live in a white neighborhood. You know, I think it's time to end that kind of stuff and start to get to know people that don't look like us. Because I tell you, the biggest wall shattering thing in my life has been just making friends that aren't like me. You know, I have a a, a, a Mexican friend who is a Catholic and uh, I'm friends with Dexter, friends with you, Irish Catholic background for you as well. Scottish Catholic. Scottish Catholic. I say that every time. I say it every time. Scottish, Irish, you know we all love them together. Same thing. Same Same continent. Um, It's all green. That's the way white people are, man. (laughs) We don't know where we're from. We don't know how to identify it. So anyway, the point is, is that we meet people that are not like us. Mm -hmm. And um, that we we spend time with them. We get to know their stories. Because honestly, when I was talking to you, Dexter, you were telling me stories about some things that you've experienced. And just kind of, it wasn't life threatening, but it's like right. harassment type stuff yeah. with a police officer. And I was like, man, I don't think that would have, I don't know. I, I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah. There was one time where I had my hands in my pockets and I got out of the car and the cop put his light in my face and said, nah, get your hands out of your pockets. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, sorry, so, sorry, my bad. And then I did it again. And he was like, get your hands out of your pockets, you know? And so I wonder like how that it, would it have been different in deep East Texas? I don't know. Because I think that when you join the force, you don't all, you don't leave racism at the door. You have to relearn that stuff. Right. You have to be retrained. You have to get to know people that are and and a lot of people don't ever get there. Right. You know. So. Let see, me. Yeah. So. Something I've heard from the Black Lives Movement. Uh, recently is this thing called the talk, quote unquote, the talk. Have you given your kids the talk? I have to give, or you would have to give your kid the talk or you got the kid. You, you as a child got 
the talk about mm-hmm. the police? What what is the talk? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's there's um, the the talk can span. Well, um, I think Steve is trying to figure out where babies come from. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> I, d- I um, don't get there's it. There's a stork, birds, bees, and storks. It's very there's animalistic. There's a basket. You know, we'll talk about it after. We'll, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll, offline. I need to yeah. talk. We'll, there's probably we'll kids listening. This is a kid show. But, um, but yeah, there is, there is a, in, in the black community, there is a talk. Um, and like, like I said, this is coming to the forefront now, but this has been for years um, where... We are, especially as young black men, we're sat down, um, and and unfortunately in these situations, you know, um, it's it's a bit different with the videos. But we're sat down, and you are told that your job is to come home, um, just like and I was mentioning that earlier. Just like you said, your job is to get home to your family. Your job is to come home, um, and we're told because of history and because of uh police harassment in over police black neighborhoods it's not right it's not um you're going to experience these things you're going to experience um people not uh cops not ex- uh wanting you in certain neighborhoods because of the color of your skin or harassing you out of certain neighborhoods because of the color of your skin which are things that I I then went on to experience but um, there are talks. Um, one of the things I was telling Seth is that as I was growing up around, um, among black men, um, just in kind of my, cir- my social, uh, circle and my community, um, I was taught to, when interacting with a police officer to physically, come inward to make myself not a threat. I was taught to um, take the bass out of my voice so that I wouldn't be perceived as a threat so that then my, you know, I'd have a better chance of my life not being in danger. I was taught to slow down my speech when I'm talking to a police officer um, so that I don't seem um, amped up. I don't seem, I'm not causing this police officer. Yeah, I'm not aggressive. And these are things that, and Seth was saying, you know, I've never been told that. And other white friends of mine have said, I've never been told that. But these are things that we have to think about and we're taught to think about when dealing with police officers because of a history. And that's why when you when you start having to think of all these extra things when you're dealing with somebody, then there's an automatic level of distrust because why am I having to change who I am? If I'm loud and, you know, boisterous or or what have you why do I have to change who I am just to not lose my life just to be able to come home so I think yeah and a lot of that can have to do with a a fear that of circumstances that either exist or don't exist Mm -hmm. I'm I'm telling you where did you grow up Texarkana Texarkana so East Texas yeah y'all grew up kind of around the same yeah I'm about I'm about um maybe hundred miles probably south of that, maybe seventy five miles south of that. Longview. So I grew up in the city of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas police. That's that's who patrolled my neighborhoods, and I I got that same talk. Now I didn't have to get the talk of take the bass out of your voice mm-hmm. and go inward because you know I hit my growth spurt <laughs> in tenth grade 
<laughs> between ninth and tenth grade, and that's never been a problem with me. Uh, and pretty soon you'll hit another one and yeah. you'll be full grown. Yeah, yeah. One day. <laughs> one day. Uh, my larger friends have. It we we were taught when a police officer shows when a police officer shows up on the scene, you don't do anything that can be perceived as aggressive. You know why? Because they're armed. And they they might be fearful of you. Um, yeah. you, you don't do things like that. And I think that the, the, the frustration that white people have is that a lot of the same stuff that, that we're teaching our kids or that, that, that you guys are, are, that the black community is saying we're teaching our kids, well, we're doing it the same way. We might be doing it slightly different, mm-hmm. but to think that, a white parent shows up and says, "Hey, you treat that cop however you want, right?" That that doesn't exist. It it might in some instances because yeah. you you see some but some I don't think rich that yuppie little white. But kids I don't think that like anyone that. necessarily thinks that that conversation is happening. That you treat the cop however you want, um, because and when I talk about the 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 talk, um, I can. Uh, I can reiterate the talk to you, but I also can't um, provide to you um, the, how do I say it? The, um, the amount of concern in my mother's voice when she's telling me these things. Um, I can't convey to you uh, the tears in her eyes when she's telling me these things because she truly believes that my life is in danger when I have an interaction with a police officer. Um, those are the things that we can't convey. We can convey the words of the, the conversation, but we can't convey um, the feeling behind it and the feeling that is in the room when these conversations are being had. So I think that may be the difference. Um, but I also think, again, as we were saying, having friends and having these conversations, we don't necessarily know what goes on um, in the average white household. Whereas, you know, a white person doesn't necessarily knows, know what goes on in the average black household. A lot of these things may be the same, but we don't know these things because we're not having these conversations. Yeah, and we don't have friends. We right. Don't, like, we don't go to each other's house and have dinner. And I think in the inner cities, it's, it's a little better. I mean, because we're just right here. You can't get away from the fact that we're in a diverse city right. it is and, you know? and but if we do have friends and we t- we touched on this earlier i've stereotypical uh, statement that you're probably gonna you know cut out and record and loop it all over but <laughs> i have black friends you have white friends yeah certain conversations i cannot have with my black friends i i can't have it and like you said earlier you can't have with your right mm-hmm. white friends because of the perception yeah mm-hmm. and i think that's and, and i'll say man i think that's very true and I think the only real solution to that is somebody being brave. Mm-hmm. Is somebody going, you know what? I, I want to know what is the deal with this thing, you know? And that's kind of what happened with me and Dexter. Mm-hmm. I, we sat down. We we're supposed, I, you know, I coached Dexter, and so we're meeting in our regular time. And I go, hey, I don't want to talk about any coaching today. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. That whole what the is- heck is going on in our country right now? And so we just ha- kind of had a final. And I don't know how honest or how much you revealed or mm-hmm. with me, but it felt like for the first time I'm talking to a black guy about 
being a black guy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I don't know what it, it is like to be you. I've never asked. And, and you know what? Nobody's really ever asked me what it's like to be a white guy. Cause I mean, I, the perception is, is that we get everything handed to us. It's real easy. It's not, I mean, it's not no. the truth. And so we have different struggles, but we have struggles. You know, in our community, you could actually, there are, you could actually make an argument that today it is a lot more difficult to attain something than we did in the sixties. Like what? Uh, admission into college, admission into stuff like this. Oh. You were, you were given more of a, uh, of a, uh, upper hand if you are a minority, right? Uh, oh, like affirmative action is what you're talking yes. about. Yes, this is this is what is is viewed in our community. We have that we have that discussion, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's another. We're getting a little off topic, here, right, but right. Um, so we we have the same we have the same conversations. It's just completely opposite, and mm-hmm. I love the fact that we're sitting here having this right now because it's at least breaking some of the ice. I know I'm going to talk to you. Uh, more frankly after this or many days after this right. week, weeks right. after this and I hope and pray that you ask me because if if a if an officer does something and screws up I'm gonna call him on it but if there is any inkling that hey hold on let's look at what they did here um then, then we need we need to have that dialogue. Mm-hmm. Hey, please understand why the officer did this, or please understand um, why I reacted like this. Uh, hey, I, I think that's great. Yeah, and and I'll say this too as we wrap up. Um, I think that when we begin to have these conversations, I mean, honestly, let's looking at all the things that the black community has had to fight for in in our country there's reason for distrust and and there's reason for white people to be a little nervous about wading into that conversation but as i said we have to have some courageous people willing to have that talk and i and i think that whenever we begin to do that um the reason i think the church is a great place to do that is because there's a lot of grace there there should be a lot of grace there i know some legalistic churches there's no grace there Mm -hmm. don't do this there do this in churches <laughs> yeah. that are gracious, that understand that, man, as a white man, I'm going to ask questions that are offensive and not know it. you know. Mm-hmm. And as a black man, you're going to ask questions that are offensive and not know it. Right. We're going to hold positions and say things in our conversations. And we probably said some here. And we just don't know because we haven't had these conversations really before. Seth, that's what I was going to yeah. touch on. I was going to say, I think as a nation... Uh, you hear the term hypersensitivity, and I think that's just a really fancy word for wussies. Yeah. We right. cannot have a legitimate conversation with each other because everybody and their mother and their mother's cousin and their mother's second cousin's neighbor is going to jump on you and be offended for 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reluctant to say something because I am a police officer. I'm held to a higher standard. I am also a representative on the executive board of a large uh, police officer association, one of the largest in the nation. And so anything that I perceive that I throw out there could t- be taken and my words misconstrued. Right. And yep. I'm anti-black and that is not at all what it is. Mm-hmm. I I want to have an understanding and I want you guys to have an understanding too. I want everybody to understand what we're doing. I think and in I, the past we've not done a good job with that. Right, yeah, and I, I think that's some of the um it, an understanding and I'm and w- this was in kind of, kind of our talking points and there's um and I was hearing uh and of, of course the things that I've heard in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement um a lot of people on the same 
on the same idea of we're seeing a lot of people will say, well, you're only showing seeing what the media is showing you in terms of these videos that are coming out in these shootings. A lot of people are only seeing what the media is showing them in terms of what black lives matter is. And they're attaching things to black lives matter where, um, they're attaching situations to a whole group of people the same way they're saying they don't want us to attach situations to a whole group of police officers Mm -hmm. or to a whole group of black people or to a whole group of white people. Um, So when, when we, when we're talking about the black lives matter movement and you know, I would, I really want to make sure that these misconceptions uh, get cleared up. Black lives, black lives matter is not a protest against police officers. It's not a protest against white people it is against the in, the perceived injustices in the system and trying to find a way for those to be more transparent so that we can understand what's happening and see where we where we see i guess a hypocrisy in that mm-hmm. is black lives matter let's take freddie gray for okay for a split second Freddie Gray is a black man arrested by black officers mm-hmm. in Baltimore, which is predominantly black. You have a black district attorney, a black police chief. You have a black uh, uh, attorney general, mm-hmm. and you have a black president. So the system, all the way to the top, is black, right? With Freddie Gray, and so this is this is where we look at it. I think white society looks at it and goes, well, where's the injustice in the system in that one? And yet you're burning down Baltimore. Black Lives Matter, the protesters. Because... At least jump on with, under the hashtag of BLM, right? Right. Because at... And and that's the thing is, we're... we're, we, We keep putting it as, we're looking at the individuals, we're looking at the system itself, we're looking at the issues within the system. Yes, the you know DA and everybody up that chain is black, um, but we're not looking at them as black people. We're looking at them as the people enforcing this system. And yeah, I, and I think the attorney general, uh, one of them, said that they were not real happy with how that went too. So I think I think there. Are, I mean, if we ever lived in a time where <laughs> if we're looking at the government and going, oh. I think you guys are a little corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> it's now. But right. you know, I think it's not just that. It's it's top down in a lot of ways. We're looking at things going. Something's wrong. Something is yeah, wrong here. And, I, and so it's kind of like if I look at one situation and see that corruption, it's easy to look at this other situation and say there might be corruption there too. Oh, without it, question. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without and, question, that does exist. And so I would say to you know the fact that they there are a lot of black individuals involved in government. Um, not everybody sees it the same way. You know, I mean, there, you know, they, there still could be corruption. There still could be mm-hmm. cover up. There still could be things. And I think there, there. was, I think there was corruption in Baltimore where they it. railroaded those cops without any type of investigation. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's come full circle where four of them were acquitted by a black judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm, I don't think four of them, I think two of them were, but four of them were acquitted. And then they dropped the, the case on, on the remainder of the officers. Yeah. And that's where, you had this perception. At least this is this is the way I view it. Right. You had a you had Marilyn Mosby who said, "I don't like the system. I am the system now, and I'm going to change the system." But they didn't. She didn't do it right. She railroaded these guys. Yeah. And 
black and white. It didn't matter what you looked like. Mm-hmm. You wore blue. And because you pinned a badge on your on on your uh, on your chest, you were railroaded. And I think three of those six cops were I know two of them at least were black, maybe mm-hmm. Hispanic. Uh, I'm not really sure their ethnicity, but there were there were a few there were a few white officers there too. It was yeah, there were three of them at yep. least. I mean, it was that situation is a mixed bag, and, and I don't know. I think I don't think we're going to see as much backlash out of that one because it is so mixed up, yeah. you know. And, and there is because it is clearly like the reason those things were dropped, those charges were dropped, is because there was not an investigation done properly on the other end. No, right? she abused her. She you abused know, so, her. Her position. So we're so we're seeing that, and we're getting real political a little bit here. So little, because, yeah. So right. some of our listeners are going to go, I hate these guys, but yeah. that's that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that yes, there is there is some corruption in the system that needs to be addressed, and I think we're seeing that more and more um, as we watch yeah. this election unfold, as we watch the government take place, uh, in, in, in take place, take action in certain <laughs> things, uh, certain situations, and how they handle it. Um, so all that being said. Uh, as a wrap up, I think there is a lot of power in getting together with people that you know. And if you have friends that are of a different race, different backgrounds, I am encouraging you to find them, talk to them, be honest and be brave when we talk about these things and ask them point blank. Hey, what do you think about this? Be honest with me and give them the permission to speak their mind and speak honestly, because I think until, like we've said in this podcast, until we start dealing with the, uh, the raw emotion of it, the raw feelings, then we don't get past that to the, okay, what's really happening here? What's at the core? What are my experiences like? What is it like to be me? And we start to empathize with each other instead of just sympathizing with each Mm -hmm. other. And so I think that's when you start to see some real healing take place because to be honest, the black and the white healing is still going on from long ago. I mean, there's still a lot of things. I mean, I heard yesterday there was a lot of stuff happening that, I mean, honestly, freedom for African-Americans, black people have not had the freedom as long as white people have in America. And so it's... Oh, without question. It's 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 something that is new Mm -hmm. still. I mean, honestly, new since the 60s. And this Uh, is going to take... That, that stuff doesn't disappear overnight. Right. No. I mean, just, it was not that long ago that we were, you know, cop, no, cops, our, our cops parents, were turning water on protesters yeah. and yeah. beating them up at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. Well, I firemen mean, did that too. But firemen yeah. too, yeah. 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 But Everybody when firemen, let's not white, white cops preventing these peaceful marches, and I mean, it was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So we all have to understand that, yes, there's going to be some toe-stepping there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations, mm-hmm. but I think it's time for America to to grow up a little bit and have those hard conversations and just wade out into that. And again, I'll say this. I think the church is the one that needs to lead that conversation because at the end of the day, those who say they believe in God, that believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, have that in common, and that alone is enough to justify harmony in our community, whether we're black, white, red or yellow, whatever. So with that, guys, I just want to say thank you for coming and talking with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I, I know this this is this was great. So yeah, um, no, we'll thanks for continue the conversation outside. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. I am Seth Muse. We've been listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. We will catch you guys in two weeks. And I uh, can't wait to share that one with you. So thanks for being here. See you later.